Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cody. What a wonderful worship has been this morning. It is Easter Sunday. Thank you for coming to Northwest. It's now time for Children's Church, so our pre-K through third grade can come down with Miss Hope. I like the matching outfits this morning. Hope and Maggie, you guys look great. Pre-K through third grade will go upstairs, and if you are wanting your kids to go in children's church, now is the time for that, and you can pick them up after the service. And so they're going to have fun this morning uh, hearing the gospel message in their own language. It is such a great morning to be here. We're thankful that you came to worship with us this morning at Northwest. We are a family here. It gets kind of crazy around here sometimes. I know this morning, me and my family were trying to get all ready and all organized, and we got about two minutes from the church, and my son said to me, Dad, I forgot my shoes. So my son was walking around in socks this morning. If you saw the kid walking around in socks, that was my son. Actually, one of our neighbors broke into our house, got our shoes, and brought them to church. So thank you, Brad, for that this morning. (laughs) Have you ever wondered where the word Easter comes from? I've wondered that myself. Uh, You know, we're talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we get this word Easter right? Um, some, some scholars think that it, it was from a pagan holiday um, that early Christians reclaimed. Um, there, was, there was some pagan uh, goddess named Eostre, so that's what they think may have happened. Some believe that it was the Christians' Passover. They were celebrating the Passover because the French word for Passover is related to Easter, interestingly enough. But Some have said that it means to look or turn to the east, the dawn of a new day, new life coming forth as the light begins to shine, as the sun rises from the east. Amen? But one thing we know about Easter is that for centuries now, Christians have celebrated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is risen. Amen. Amen. The book of Mark is where we are going to study tonight. And it in or today, it's not tonight, it's not nighttime, it's morning. It, begin, it ends abruptly. And the weight of evidence seems to point to the ending being found in chapter 16, verse 8. And Mark, who is recounting the eyewitness account of Peter, is asking a question throughout his book. And we're going to look at that question this morning. Do you see clearly? Do you see clearly? Or is this Jesus a bit fuzzy to you? You ever go to the eye doctor? I have a stigmatism, so I go to the eye doctor quite often, and I get my eyes checked every year at least. And you sit down in the chair, and they place the letters on the screen. Go ahead and place those letters on the screen. 
and they say, hey, can you read those letters to me? 2020 is the, is the one that is right above the red line. So if you can read that, you're 2020 from there. Uh, you're way better than that, actually. But at least you can read the top few uh, letters there. But he asks you, what, which line can you read? Can you read the letters to me? And you're like, nope, not happening, right? <clears throat> and then once you get the full prescription right and you can see the letters on the screen, he kind of locks in a refinement process. And you say, which is better, one or two, right? You guys have all been there. Which is better, one or two? Do you like two or one? And then, and then you're like, I don't even know what's the difference here. I can't remember which one's two or one. I don't know. And that's how it goes. Well, that's kind of what Mark is doing for us in this book. He's fine-tuning our eyes to see Christ clearly. And when we get to the end of the book, and this morning we will, we will say, aha, I can see. And the expectation is now that you see the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is a response. As he ends the book so abruptly, but he's asking this question to us, what do you do now? Amen? So let's get to it. We're going to read Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. If you'll stand in reading of God's word, that's what we do here. Um, because we believe that this is the very word of God, the infallible, accurate word of God. God's word spoken to us this morning. And so when we read our passage, we stand up at Northwest it's going to be a fantastic Sunday. I'm just so glad to be here with you to hear what God has to say to all of us. Mark chapter 16, verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll the, away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. Mm. You can be seated this morning. Let's pray. Father, we pray for the eyes of our hearts to be opened to your word, 
to the truth of the gospel message that Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. And Father, we have the hope of eternal life, not because we are good, but because he is good and he is Lord of all creation. And Father, that is the hope of the Christians in this room is that we will one day be with him for all eternity as he has set up his kingdom. Lord, give us the strength and energy that we need while we live on this earth for your glory and your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, there's a story in the middle of Mark. I was reading through the book when we were trying to figure out where does the Lord want us to go for Easter? And I came across this story in the middle of Mark and it just grabbed my attention because I couldn't understand it. And do you ever read across, come across something in the word of God and you just don't get it? And you just struggle with it. And you're like, what is happening here? Well, oftentimes the Lord actually wants us to struggle with it. He's actually teaching us in those moments of difficulty that we don't understand. And so I'm going to share with you my difficulties in understanding and share with you what the Lord has taught me through reading this passage in the middle of Mark. And if you don't catch the meaning of the story, you may not catch the whole meaning for the entirety of the book of Mark. I'm going to read it for you. It's out of Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And they came to Bethesda. They're talking about the disciples. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out to the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, he laid his hands on him. And he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now I read that, and I thought to myself, what is happening here? You have a man who is not fully healed. He sees, but it is unclear. What is he seeing? He's seeing people look like trees. That's what I, if I take my contacts out or my glasses off, guess what? People look like trees. Here's a picture of what it looks like with my glasses off. Yeah, people, trees, not sure what it is, right? This is what this blind man saw. And could Jesus not heal the man? Jesus has healed many with many different diseases, including blind men. So why in this circumstance could he not? Or could he? He says the word and it happens. 
He's able to heal this man just through a word, and yet it looks like it takes him two times. So what's happening here? Most likely, Jesus, and oftentimes when you read the Bible and you don't get it, you need to read the context around what is going on. Because the writer is trying to tell us something through around this passage. And most likely, Jesus is using this man's healing or partial healing to show that his disciples do not fully see clearly. But God in his grace will allow them to see clearly. Because right before this, Jesus has just fed 4,000 people with seven loaves and two small fish. Not to mention earlier, Jesus has fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And then the disciples get into a boat. And right before this man is healed, they forget one thing in the boat. They forget the bread. They forget their lunch. They forget their meal. They have nothing, and they're going on a journey, and they don't have any food. I don't know about you, but my wife, she'll bring like a whole bag of snacks when we go to to the grocery store, and I'm like, do our kids really need all this food just to go to the grocery? Yep, they need water, food, all this sort of thing. Well, the disciples forget to bring the, the bread, They only have one loaf, and they begin discussing it on the boat. And this is what they said, Mark 18, 8, 17. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000? How many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? And he said, seven. And he said to them, do you not understand? And it's after that conversation that Jesus halfway heals this man. Not because he can't, but he's showing the disciples that they are like this man who do not see Jesus clearly. You see, the Messiah, the Son of God, must suffer and die for sinners and then he will resurrect from the dead but the disciples couldn't understand this they couldn't see it you see the kingdom of God works differently than we could think in the same way the disciples were not seeing Jesus clearly we often do not see Jesus clearly Often we see Jesus and the kingdom of God in the way that we want to see him. Yet through the gospel of Mark, 
God and his grace is giving us an opportunity time and time again to see Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So may God's word open your eyes as we read this passage this morning. The eyes of your heart. That we may respond to the resurrection. Amen. So let's look at it together. Verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? This is our first point this morning from first three verses. Jesus is the promised Messiah who was crucified. He is in the tomb, or he was in the tomb. He was crucified and died. You know, it's very interesting that these women, Mark recounts, Mary Magdalene and Mary are the ones who saw him die on the cross. In, verse, in chapter 15, verse 40, there were also women looking on from a distance, among who were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. So they see him die. In verse 47, it's, it says... Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. They saw the tomb. They saw his body placed in the tomb. And it is these women who will go to the tomb and see that Jesus is not there. Amen? He is risen. You ask the question, where are the male disciples? You know, the 12? Where are they? They're gone. Why? They're scared. They're not going with Mary and Mary to the tomb. They have scattered. Peter had denied Christ. Yet these ladies are faithfully still going to the tomb to lay spices on the body of Christ. They spent their money on perfume, wanting to anoint the body of Christ. They had seen him on the cross. They had seen him laid in the tomb, and now they're going. God is showing them he's not there. They weren't expecting a resurrected Jesus, and neither were the male disciples. But they went as early as they could, not knowing who would roll away the stone, weighing approximately one ton. You see, Jesus, throughout his ministry, kept telling the disciples he was the Messiah, that he would suffer and that he would die as the suffering servant talked about in Isaiah chapter 53. But they kept thinking, surely not. If Jesus was the Messiah, why would he die? 
This is the exchange he has earlier with Peter. The words with Peter, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man, a title for the one in David who was to rule and reign forever, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. Mark, Mark is telling, I, he said it plainly. He told them, uh, I'm going to be the one who dies and then rises again. I'm the suffering servant. I'm the son of man. And Peter, it says in verse 32, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. No, you're not, Jesus. You're not going to die. Trust me. You're, 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 you're Jesus. We've seen the miracles. You're the promised Messiah. You're not going to die. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter. This is Jesus. And he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your things, mind on things of God, not on things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? You see, we have the same problem often that Peter had, that the disciples had. We don't see very clearly as followers of Jesus. If I'm a Christian, I shouldn't have to suffer. In fact, everything in life ought to be easy. Right? Peter couldn't imagine a world where Jesus would suffer and die. And some of us can't imagine a world where we will have to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. And Jesus' response to Peter is the same response to us as believers today. Take up your cross and follow me. Literally, walk in the path that I have walked. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Walk in the path of Jesus. Lay your life down looking for the interest of others above your own. Jesus is saying, see the gospel with gospel-colored lenses. Life is not about how rich you can be or how famous you can be or how great you can be, but it's about how you can live for the glory of God and impact other people's lives so that they can see Jesus. Amen? Let me ask you this question this morning. Do people see Jesus through you? Do your kids see Jesus when they see you?
Do your co-workers, do they experience the love and the servant heart of Christ? As Jesus is on the cross, I can't help but remind myself that he says to those who are crucifying him, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. The heart of Christ is a heart of forgiveness and service and love and humility. You see, the disciples couldn't see that. Even after Jesus had washed their feet, he couldn't, they couldn't see that he would give his life on the cross and then resurrect from the dead. Jesus is the promised Messiah who was crucified for us. Look at, let's look at verse 4. And looking up, I think that word, those words are, are important. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here See the place where they laid him. This is point number two this morning. Pretty, pretty simple point. He is risen. He is risen Amen. You see, the, the women, they look up, recognizing that God has done something incredible. Matthew tells us that the angel rolled the stone away Women were wondering who's going to roll the stone away. God, God will deal with that. And the women enter into the tomb and they see this young man in white and they are alarmed. It's a good word. They're alarmed. They're nervous, scared, surprised, all in one, alarmed. He says to them, don't be alarmed. Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, He has risen. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, are the only ones to enter in to the tomb at this time. Mark tells us in in chapter 14, verse 50, where the other disciples were. It says, Mark 14, 50 tells us that the disciples had left him and fled. Peter denied Christ three times. And Mark recounts that these women witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection, even though they are alarmed. Why would Jesus have to die? How could he raise from the dead? These are questions that were going through their minds, questions that may be going through our minds. Mark 9, 30, Jesus again, he tells his disciples three times plainly what will happen. He says this, they went on from there and passed through Galilee and he did not want anyone to know for he was teaching his disciples saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed after three days, he will rise. And guess what the next 
verse says, but they did not understand the saying (laughs) and they were afraid to ask him. Don't be afraid to ask somebody today. They did not understand and they were afraid to ask him. You see, friends, today, maybe Jesus may be opening your eyes to the fact that the great God of the universe paid for your sin in full upon the cross. Three days later, proved that he was truly the son of God by resurrecting from the dead. You see, Jesus is not a good luck charm. He's not a fad He's not something that you try out. He's not a religion. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the author of life. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Deliverer. He is Emmanuel, God with us, the faithful and true witness. He is the door unto salvation. He is the chief shepherd, the head of the church, the holy and righteous one, the horn of salvation. He is the great I am, the lamb of God that was slain for us. He is the last Adam, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lord of all, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the Lord of glory. He is the master. He is the mediator. He is the Messiah. He is the bright and morning star. He is our Passover lamb, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the prince of peace, mighty God. He is the good teacher. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the ruler of God's creation, the son of man, the savior, the son of David, the way, the truth, and the life. He is the word who became flesh and dwelt among men and he is worthy to give your life to him. Let me be perfectly clear. Man is appointed to live once and then face the judgment. God will judge wickedness and sin. He will judge you according to your deeds done. The Bible tells us that we have missed the mark. It's an archery term for missing the bullseye. We have fallen short. We were created to reflect the nature and character of God, but we, like all humanity, have fallen short of the glory of God. Yet in his love... This King Jesus has offered you the grace to live. He came from heaven to die on the cross for you because amazing love. How can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. So this King Jesus would die for sinners. You see, the disciples at the death were still confused. How could the Messiah be crucified? I thought his 
God's king would have a kingdom that had no end, but then after he resurrects, they are still confused. They would say to themselves, but wait, he truly was the Messiah? He rose from the dead? Why would he choose to go to the cross? You see, it was his love for me that led him to Calvary. It was God's display for all to see that the king would die for me. Taking on pauper's clothes only to give his life as a ransom for those who would be believe upon him for salvation. The angel ends the discussion with a command. Now that Jesus has risen, he gives the command to the women, but go, verse seven, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. This is our last point this morning. It says this, go and tell about the risen Christ. Amen? Amen. Go and tell about the risen Christ. Remember the disciples who are running scared? Remember Peter who denies Christ three times? Go and tell them Jesus lives and you will see him. I love how Peter is singled out here. Is Peter a disciple at this time? We're not sure. Why? Go tell the disciples and then tell Peter. Where's Peter in this? He's denied Christ. Where is he? Let's be real honest with ourselves right now. We could ask the same thing about ourselves. Am I a disciple right now? Where is Peter? Go tell the disciples. Oh, and Peter. We're not sure where he is. I've chased after all these other things you may be saying to yourself, and Jesus is calling me back. Take up your cross and follow him. This is what Jesus is saying to us. And when they get to Galilee, Jesus will ask Peter a question. He will say, do you love me, Peter? So I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you love Jesus? And Peter says, yes, Lord, of course I do. Then Then Jesus says, feed my sheep. And he asked him a second time. He says, do you love me? I'm going to ask you the question, do you love Jesus? Jesus says, feed my sheep. And the third time he says, do you love me? And Peter's caught up in emotion thinking, man, this is the third time he's asked me. He says, Lord, of course I do. Jesus says, feed my sheep. And if if you say, yes, I love Jesus, then it it may be time for you to go and tell about the risen Christ. 
It's interesting what the woman's response is to the angel in verse 8. They went out and fled from the tomb, trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid, so they don't obey. Everybody's failing here. We know that they would share later, but the moment they're confused, scared, frozen, they share nothing. So even after seeing the death, burial, and resurrection, they still don't see 2020. But someone in the book of Mark does, and Mark tells us who that is. Look at 1537 with me. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed out his last, and this is what he says, It is finished. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. He knew. He saw. It was the Roman centurion who was in charge of the crucifixion that God would open the eyes to see who Jesus was. Wasn't the disciples, wasn't the women, it was the Roman centurion. Maybe this morning God is opening your eyes just as this man's eyes were open to the fact that God would send the perfect, sinless son of God, the lamb of God to be slain for us. And that he would prove what he said was true through the resurrected Christ. He wasn't just a man with words and promises, but he was God in the flesh. You know, my father, who turned 83 this year, sits right here. He uh, was 47 years old. He was at the top of his profession. He worked in New York City. His name was on billboards. Had a corner office. Drove a Porsche. He had everything that this world has to offer. And yet he knew he was empty and broken without the Lord. And one day, work was too hard, family was too hard, life was too hard. He walked across the street from his office during his lunch hour, and he got down on his knees, and he said, Lord, I don't know a lot about you, but I know I need you. And it was this simple prayer to call out to God to say, I need you in my life, and I want to follow you. By the way, it was a Catholic church. No one shared the gospel with him. The Lord called him to himself. And he brought men and women around him to help him grow in this word and help him follow the word of God. But it was that one day in which he he knelt down and he said, I need the Lord. In which God would come into his life and to his family's life would change the direction of his life to live for the glory of God. And that's why I stand here to preach your, 
this word to you this morning is because he taught me the word of God. So this morning, if God is calling you to himself, what that means is God is saying you need to submit. You need to be like the centurion who opens their eyes and says, Jesus is my Lord. And we're going to have an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask the musicians to come up. And I'm going to pray for you this morning. There's going to be people all around the sanctuary on the outside. So by the columns in the back, they're going to start moving there as well. And up front. And if you need to talk to someone, there is someone to talk to, to lead you to follow Jesus with your life. You may be like Peter and you may be saying, I'm not sure if I'm a disciple, but I want to love the Lord God Almighty. I encourage you to get up from your seat to go to someone and say, I love Jesus and I want to follow him. And we want to help you walk with the Lord with your life today. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to, we're going to stand right now. I'm going to pray, and then if you'll make your way to someone around the sanctuary, they'll be happy to talk with you and lead you to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with your life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have many in this room who are hearing your call to come to yourself. We thank you, Father, that you have sent the Lord Jesus Christ to come and dwell among men, to die on a cross for sinners like me. May we proclaim with our life that Jesus is the risen Lord. We thank you for each and every person here this morning that has come to hear about your resurrection, to hear who you are. And we ask that they would have the boldness and the strength to go and talk to one of these people this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. No one's gonna be looking around. You just go and talk to someone this morning. It's a perfect day to do that as we sing. We're gonna sing for a long time, so you have plenty of time. Please go and talk to someone this morning about the risen King Jesus. Say, I love my Jesus.